this just dawned on me. I Step was introduced back. to Shane by by Steinmeier, and I thought that Shane was the guy that Steinmeier was doing boxes with while he was growing up in the teenage years, but that's not the case. How did Shane and Steinmeier meet? For business owners, by business owners, this is the Prime Income Podcast. Shane, we got to talk about the type that your company name. It seems very pigeonhole. It is, and you know, it's it's funny because we've got clients in seventeen different states, and not every you know every business out there, business owner, you know, in California looks at Omaha as uh, a great marketing capital of the United States. So um, <laughs> that's exactly what I think of. I need right. somebody who knows digital. Well, go to Omaha. Wait, a flyover state? Are you serious? Right. <laughs> Right. But, you know, it's just it's kind of where our roots came from, you know, as we started and, and grew. And, you know, there's a lot of business in Omaha with it being so centrally located. A lot of old money in Omaha as well. So there's there's a ton of businesses, ton of startups. It's moving into tech slowly but surely with some of the infrastructure that they've had with in the past. And so it, it's just where we started. And, you know, there's been lots of times where we toy around with name changes and brand changes and it's just like we, you know, the minute we do that, we lose the vast majority of our local clients because that's, that's what they like. Omaha is really big on local. I mean, I, I think you knew I was born in Texas, so I'm, I'm right up there with, with some of you guys. I'm actually about an hour north of Dallas in a little town called Sherman, Texas. You know, but moving here when, you know, in my teen years, Omaha is just so close knit that local is everything. It's been great for us. You might see someday that we have a national brand, but it would still run the same way that, that we do everything with that, that local handholding that, that we're kind of known for. So social media, Omaha is Shane's company. One day he might turn into mutual of Omaha. That could be a, a thing. <laughs> Keep your eye on it. <laughs> they're going to be lions and stuff on your internet show exactly exactly we're going to go out and hey we go out and we track lions and we also do digital stuff that's right jack of all <laughs> trades here the lions of social media no it's just i mean when you talk about lions and i mean like Omaha's known for its zoo which is kind of hilarious that you know, so that's what it's not known for its marketing. What is it about the zoo in Omaha? What's going on there? Well, it's one of the top rated zoos in the like world, I believe. Um, I definitely know in the United States, uh, it's got some of the biggest attractions compared to, I mean, like I've been to the San Diego Zoo and it's, it, look it up. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's an insane zoo. I've never even seen it on that show, Secrets of the Zoo. Oh, they're missing out. I'm telling you, Google search. It'll... <laughs> and from, you heard it here. This is where it's starting. Omaha Zoo is going to become a a phenomenon. Everybody's that's right. That's right. I'm going to be behind. It already is checking their online traffic, looking for my check. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Let's start this journey with Shane because I had no idea that you were a Texas boy. I know exactly where Sherman is. Start from there and lead us down your down your journey here. What was childhood life like? Yeah. Um, you know, it was good. We, I was raised by my mother, um, in a house full of women. So, uh, very lucky to have that. My, my mom was a, uh, a bar owner. So in a town called Gainesville, Texas, 
she had a couple different bars that was, it's in a dry County uh, for most people listening. They don't really understand what that is. Like people in Nebraska have never heard of a dry County. <laughs> um, so you had to be a member of these bars and, you know, as a, a single woman in Texas way back, you know, hundreds of years ago, uh, running a chain of bars, um, she had to be tough. Her work ethic was like, nothing I've ever seen. And so just really kind of trained me right and moving into, you know, some of my first jobs of cleaning bars and uh, restocking and recycling all the beer cans. I got to pocket the money from that, which was great growing up. First job was definitely working for my mom uh, throughout her bars. And, you know, that kind of kept me in enough money to be able to do what I needed to do. But it was crazy hours, you know, throughout the day. I was kind of summer job. Um, you know, going from there, just moving into, I, I think my, my actual first non-family related job was uh, Jack in the Box in Gainesville, Texas, and uh, terrible. I think everybody needs that one restaurant experience and fast food to realize that, you know, and I appreciate anyone listening out there that's because, you, you know, I've got the belly to prove it, that I love my fast food, um, but it was rough. And I realized immediately that this is not the path I want to ever be in. So yeah, this first job would actually be moving into the restaurant kind of business. How long were you in the restaurant business before you were like, okay, this is not going to be my career path. Yeah. I, I think I made it to like probably six weeks. Um, and then it was like, okay, let's do something else. And and then just kind of dove into learning. I, I fell in love with electronics. I fell in love with technology, uh, trying to take apart computers. I have an uncle that actually was a software developer for HR platforms for supermarkets. Um, brought me my first computer, and I immediately took it apart uh, and could not put it back together. So ruined it. So he <laughs> never brought me another thing ever. <laughs> I, I realized at that point that I just, I had a knack for the technology. And if I wanted the computer to work, I had to fix it. Never did on that one. Um, so then just came schooling and everything after that. And, and you know, my background is in, in marketing and computer engineering. And that just kind of spiraled on and on. Yeah. Eventually came to the point where you said, you know what, I can do my own thing and do better. But before you got to that point, what were you doing? When I first moved to Omaha, Nebraska, uh, my mother had bought a bunch of real estate here and she moved the whole family to Nebraska. They stayed for one, one winter and decided to go back to Texas. I had already met a girl. So that old country song, you know, I just decided I was going to stay in Omaha. I took a job at the radio station, uh, Sweet 98 here. And I, I was actually Super Shane on the morning show. Um, well, hold on a second. You were doing, how old yeah, were you when is, you were doing mornings in Omaha? Um, I think I was right around 17 or 18. Wow. So yeah. super shame. That's right. So this was before Tom Green and the goofiness that kind of ensued with, with all of that. But that was what, what I did. I just did the crazy stunts in the morning, like flew with the F-16 Thunderbirds, wrestled Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, on the air live. I mean, just ridiculous things, but kind of fell in love with everything that came with that. You know, that was right on the, the cusp of social media and just loved the attention that came with it and and being able to, to really get to some places that I wouldn't have been able to uh, without that experience, I guess. 
Did he throw you? <laughs> he did. He did. Did it hurt? It did. And it was hilarious about the whole experience with Macho Man was that I had been training all morning on the air before he got to the studio. So I had the full Rocky sweatsuit and my assistant was, I was jogging around the block drinking raw eggs on the air. And and sadly, this was before they videoed these things. Correct. Which I'm kind of glad. I mean, to be honest, that's some, I'm, none of this stuff will ever resurface. Um, but it's almost to the point where like no one believes the stories either. So but there's no way I could make that up. He threw you. How far did he throw Super Shane? Not, not, I mean, he wasn't trying to hurt me and we didn't have any pads or anything, but I busted in on him in the middle of his uh, interview because he was doing some interview there at the station. And I had on a, I had on a uh, wrestling bald cap and a big professional wrestling belt that I bought at Toys R Us. Challenge. Did you know that was going to happen? No, absolutely did not. I came in and I was like, I want you brother. And that's, um, so then him and I, him and I traded licks on the air and, you know, lots of slap into a slim Jim comments. And, um, but he gave me a quick little toss out front and then we, you know, we kind of did some wrestling poses and so he was a, he was a smaller man, um, as am I. So I wasn't, I've got this picture and Evan, I'll have to find it and send it over to you where we're both flexing and he's standing behind me and his arm, you can see it above and below my arm <laughs> and it was just yeah it was crazy it was a, it was a cool so, guy though. so did he chest thump you like the slap no no we did he did uh, uh, uh like clothesline me and um then we had pictures of him he lifted me off the ground with like a choke um oh jesus yeah it was fun it was, went super shame to silly shame yeah. Yeah. But it was, re- I mean, just, and that's, you know, that could be a whole, whole podcast talking about all the, I mean, I got, I went through a VIP car wash strapped to the hood of a car. Um, <laughs> you know, just, just some of the most ridiculous stuff. Ridiculous. So as crazy as it was, like I said, there was, you know, radio, both of you gentlemen coming from radio preluded to, so to, to internet and social media and, you know, even the conversations we had back then was like at one point they wanted to set up webcams in a room and watch me 24 hours a day, like Truman Show, um, before anybody was even doing those kinds of things. So it, it kind of didn't agree to that. No, I was I I was totally in on it. I would have loved to do that, um, but then there was a lot of that's hysterical. Insurance. You know, you would have gone viral a long time ago. Yeah, I, I like I said, it was a lot of fun. Um, it really put me into some cool places, and I, I think it kind of put me on the path of of understanding like listeners and what conversions and engagements and all of these things, how it transitions into money. Um, understanding a little bit at my limited age at that point of ad buying. And how the radio works, you know, because it's it's not really that as extravagant as everyone thinks it is. You just said something that's about to put two things together. But before I jump on that, I've really got a picture of a lot of things we can do to Evan and put on the Internet. <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> Strap, uh, the car wash idea I love. There's a you just gave me so many different things that. We could practice on him. Mark Henry lives here in Austin. There's a lot of people that could do things to Evan. It would, and yeah. it would be a lot of fun, a lot of traffic. I would love that. Let me know how I can facilitate because I would love oh, to okay. see Evan. Yeah. I would love to see Evan um, eat a 98 ounce steak in 98 minutes. 
Back to Shane's story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After Super Shane and that era of your life coming to a close, what was next? Then kind of led into just uh, after radio. It was a very limited kind of run. I think I did it for two or three years. It was not sustainable to, you know, that's not something I didn't want to take the path of being in radio. And I also didn't want to just keep being the Joker. Uh, you know, that's not something, you know, I'm, Tom Green's out there in the world are very far and few in between, right? Led me into where just I, I took some management jobs in in the cell phone world. I was actually uh, running management for uh, Costco for a lot of their cell phone departments at different stores, uh, moving into business-to-business sales, government sales. Um, cell phones were kind of still in the technology scope. I also love the importance that they hold to individuals. You know, there's, uh, you know, Every business deal in the world is done off of a cell phone. Throughout that process, I was actually taking on hobbyist work at home. And I think that's where kind of all of us do this, right? And I got tired of waking up every single morning reading, uh, you know, my ingesting my normal calendar of all the websites that I wanted to get what's happening on the internet, what's happening on this technology site and this internet site and this internet site. So why is all this not into one place, you know? So I decided to build a website for myself uh, that I could ingest and drop all my thoughts after I would read through everything and put it into a place. And it was called don'thatthegeek.com. Just going to punch Fast forward, right quick. Yeah, go ahead. Um, fast forward just a little bit. The website just exploded. And next thing I know, we were doing 8.2 million views a week. And there was scalability and all of these things happening that I was unprepared for. So needless to say, I took a step out of doing anything for a job and kind of moved into working for myself and being able to use my skill set and everything else. And it it just blew up. Uh, It got insane. Next thing we know, we had brand deals and advertising coming in. I was flying all over the country, going to events and you know, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I don't know how much you guys are in the nerd and geek world. And that's what really kind of started everything in motion. And then about eight, nine years ago, as Don't Hate the Geek was kind of, you know, internet was slowing down. Websites were kind of turning down a little bit. Um, Everything was moving into video and YouTube and podcasting. So then I decided at that point that you know, there were a few companies in town that I knew that I had, had built partnerships with that were doing some advertising on Don't Hate the Geek. And then I just, just like, well, if I'm able to to do this with, you know, my business, then I'm able to do this with theirs and kind of started to put everything into motion. Started bringing on small companies, small to medium sized companies. And next thing I know, there's a full blown business running. Um, so it's just, yeah. And that's a lot there um, with Don't Hate the Geek, but you know, it was, it, that's kind of where it all started. Went to the don'thatthegeek.com. I'm going to guess that you no longer have a part of that because it's trying to put viruses on my machine. Yeah, that's, yeah, that would not be, that was sold a long time ago. Yeah. So, so, so don't do that. I, I have no affiliation with it whatsoever. I, I, love, I love that he knew you were going and he said, yeah, go ahead. And then you, and then you, then you say about the virus, he's like, oh yeah, there's that. That's right. That's right. All that, all that's still funneling into me somewhere. Got you now, Evan. So, 
So there's a point in your life where you've been working on a corporate side of stuff with B2B uh, government stuff, but you're also scaling up on your website and getting in a massive amount of, of traffic. There comes a, a time, and as Joe uh, put it, and you've heard it before, there comes a time when you either fall down or you breathe fire. What was that like for you? Once the website started making money and it was making, you know, amounts of money that I was not used to at that point. So I, I thought it was sustainable and thought that, you know, it just wouldn't end. It was just going to get bigger and bigger. And I had finally hit, hit where I needed to do my stride. Uh, and then, like I said, internet took a dip. There was a transition, a, a switch. And, you know, luckily, although I'm agile, I was unprepared at that point, uh, which kind of helped set up now being as agile as not only I am, but the businesses and my employees and staff are that kind of led into that. So at that point it was, okay, so, you know, when do I let Don't Hate the Geek go and start just doing digital marketing? After a few businesses in and seeing the the return and, and seeing the growth that those businesses had, that was my breathing fire moment that this is, this is what I'm good at. And being able to sit down and help a small business is get the visibility that they need, get the customers that they need, the leads that they need, et cetera. Uh, that's probably the most fulfilling thing in the world um, to be able to walk into a, a local restaurant or have a, a zoom meeting with someone in California that is now able to you know, live better because they have visibility uh, super fulfilling compared to what I was doing. So during that transition time, even during the, the growth that you've had doing your digital marketing stuff, the growth with social media, Omaha, that has had ups and it's had downs of all the sleepless nights you've had, which one has made the biggest difference? Well, I mean, when we run full digital the way that we do, I mean, one of our pride points is that we don't stop, you know, just because your your day is done or you or close your doors at, you know, 8 p.m., 9 p.m., uh, social media especially never quits. And if you have a good website, the leads generating also are never stopping. So there's lots of sleepless nights. I mean, I was even making jokes with you that, you know, when threads, uh, just thread just came out for Facebook for meta and I'm in the middle of a movie with my wife and a new platform drops. Well, that's not a small thing. Um, so it's immediately that like, okay, movie stops and I need to understand this to the point that, you know, my team is also, we can have a commun communication in the morning on this that, and then bring clients in that could take advantage of it. So there's lots of sleepless nights, but I think the biggest thing was like, especially through the, the pandemic, you know, marketing became so important because everyone needed to know who was open and to what capacity. The hardest part is to try to tell a, a business that is having a hard time, you know, running staff and, and keeping things flowing that they need to spend more on marketing. So that was very difficult. That caused lots of sleepless nights. Uh, but the importance of, of what came out of that. And then now the transition to where everyone understands marketing, it really panned out. I mean, look at QR codes, for example, how long ago were we using QR codes and nobody knew what it was. Nobody ever took advantage of it. Uh, but now like you got 80 year olds know to scan a, 
a QR code to get a menu. So lots of good things came from that Those and, and the work that went into that, I think. You said the thing that fulfills you is when you're able to help a small business owner. Will you expand on that for us? Yeah. What we do is we only handle small to medium-sized businesses. We don't take on any of the big guys, no Coca-Colas out there. Um, and, and throughout that is all digital marketing, anything that's included in that throughout you know, website design, maybe just cleaning up a website, whether it be search engine optimization as well, SEO for those who know that. And then our main main areas, of course, social media management. Now, where that really sets us aside from a lot of businesses is, is that we we help these business owners and leadership on their teams understand what social media is and why. Uh, most marketing companies out there they, they want you to feel lost without them. They're, they've kind of handcuffed you to their services that if we stop doing what we're doing, you're kind of done, which is a terrible mentality to have. The way that we work with these business, businesses and their owners and leadership is to let them understand what we're doing with a plan and how they can duplicate that as well. So they can run in tandem with what our managers are doing and our content creators are doing. Uh, which just brings growth, you know, with or without a marketing company, because we want them to do well. You know, in, in a world where most businesses switch marketing companies every four months, you know, whether it be cost or what, our average client retention is over four years. Uh, and that's because of that that understanding that, like, we're part of your team. You're you're not just part of ours, right? We want to become the expert. Uh, you know, we've got as an example. You know, a lawyer in Colorado. Well, my team has to understand what those laws include. What rules do we have with that in order to be able to create content for that business, as well as be the online voice to handle all engagements as well. So, you know, my team has to become experts in every single one of these these businesses that we work with which really gives a good sounding board for these small and medium sized businesses that like, you know, well, Hey, you know, our business, what could we be doing better? Instead of just looking at analytics and numbers, that's not going to help make a good campaign. That's our content plan. You know, so once the team really dives in and understands that account, they essentially are that they work for that business at that point, which I think really sets us aside from other marketing companies out there that just are, are pushing out content all day long and not posting with a purpose, which is our tagline for socials is we post with purpose, not just throwing stuff out. Um, there has to be a reason that every single post goes out. And then the, you know, the recap of how did it perform and what can we do better ongoing? So the next question that I would normally say is, how do you help your team feel fulfilled? However, it sounds like them being a part of this fulfills them. And that leads me to ask, how do you recruit that individual to fit your culture? Yeah, great question. Um, so we're a small team. Uh, we've got a team of about 13 right now, uh, social media managers. And the the big difference with the way that we higher compared to most other companies that I've dealt with or talked with uh, throughout the whole US. I try to find people that not only can wear lots of hats, but really have a, an inkling into specific kinds of businesses. There's nothing worse than when someone's supposed to be your online voice, your representation digitally, but they could care less about 
radio ad buys or something. Well, how in the world are they going to be a good marketing person or your online voice if they don't have any of that interest or care or anything else? So really finding social media managers that understand, you know, a bubble of certain verticals and different kinds of businesses uh, and then excelling on that. So there's lots of movement, you know, occasionally a uh, business might have a transition to a different social media manager after just a, a small amount of time, because we're able to see that, that this one would, would have a better understanding, um, you know, and, and be able to do more uh, with a certain account. Um, the other thing is too, is the reason that my staff stays much longer than we see with other marketing companies they're rewarded for the time that they have the certain businesses that we're able to keep those clients. Unfortunately, in the marketing world, I don't know if you guys know how social media management works in most places, but they just overload these social media managers with 10, 15, 20 different accounts. And then content and you know message and everything else starts to lack and, and fall behind because how in the world is someone going to be able to perform in, in that scope? So that's where we really do things a, a lot differently, rewarding them for the amount of work that they're able to do, as well as finding those businesses that they enjoy working with. And you know we've been very lucky. I've got some of the I've got an amazing team that's been with me almost since the start, and, and just really understand efficiency and proficiency. So. You started Social Media Omaha. You had clients. There are places where we stub our toes in the business world. What was one of those and what did you learn from it? You know, at one point when very infantile, you know, I, I was a sole man. You know, I'd, like I said, I didn't, I didn't know this was going to turn into what it did or have the intention for it to. But I, I was just doing it all. You know, as much of a toe stub as that was, that I was so overworked, so overloaded, I think it really gave me, uh, and we talk earlier, we talk about the spitfire moment. Um, that's where I knew I had to either buckle down and be able to handle the workload or, or go back to selling phones for government contracts or what. That toe stub there being agile because of the website and bringing on 30 international writers across the United States to handle a blog that is doing 8 million views a week, that kind of really led into being agile enough that I knew that, that I had to become an expert in calendars and my time and all of my proficiency levels to leave enough time that if there is money coming in at this point, now we can hire staff, which will give me more time and so on and so on. So that me sitting down and with a, a business and filming their content, editing their content, handling their social media, their SEO, building their website. Um, you know, I'm an owner and a manager that I literally set in their shoes uh, for every person that I hire. We've got a good leadership team set up that uh, everybody has been there. Everybody understands it and we all know how to get through it. After stubbing your toes and figuring some stuff out, there's been some points in your life where you celebrate small successes, you celebrate big successes. What is the biggest success that you're most proud of? Uh, when we broke 100 businesses, I think was having a 100 businesses consecutively uh, nationwide. That was a big success for us. Uh, it was kind of a, a target that I wanted to hit. And again, being able to handle uh, 100 
businesses, that's, you know, if every account has three to five social accounts, that's a hefty workload. So that was, that was something that knowing that when we did that um, and nobody's ripping their hair out, you know, we've got a good plan and a good, good path on how things are going. So that was definitely our, our biggest success, I think, so far. You talked about lear- learning the basics in radio about ad buying and ad placement and stuff like that. And then you talked about your employees understanding basic parts of a whole lot of businesses and being involved like that and getting a, enough of an understanding to be able to communicate with your clients around their business, which is very important because when you're able to speak the language with somebody else, that's a huge thing, right? First thing that then said in the opening was talking about bringing it back organically. And I would like for you to, to jump on that if you don't mind. Yeah. I mean, I think in the world of ad buying, there, there's a, there's a big, a big gap um, for a lot of businesses that they, they, you know, they're either very heavy in ad purchase uh, or they're very heavy in organic. And it's, you know, it's such a nice mix down the middle to have organic growth because um, that's kind of my scope. But at the same time, there's always a need for ad buy. There's always, uh, you know, to kind of meld the two together. Understanding message throughout that process where it's consistent, that's my favorite word, consistency, is so important. And I think that it's missed, the, you know, too many times it's it, it's missed. Um, you know, these business owners are busy. They don't understand. They get a, a social media person come in that never hands off that, like, listen, we need to have some ad purchases, uh, whether it be radio, TV, newspaper, billboard, whatever it may be. So there has to be a good team environment in, in place for that. Now, there are some companies that, that do it all based off of their scope and capabilities. Just because they do it all doesn't mean they do it well. I think having the professionals in the different places has really been, you know, is, is the way that you want to go. And that's kind of how we set up. Although we do, you know, ad buys and we do place ad placements as well uh, digitally. But, you know, we won't take a client that's just strictly running ads. Because if that client is just looking at ad placement, there's there's a better company out there for that compared to us. If we're looking for all around best path and, and good culmination of the two organic and paid, then we can help out. So, so specifically when you're talking about organic growth and we're talking about not paid per click, we're talking about somebody needs something or wants to see something that you provide. And because you've spent the time, they're going to go click in, talk about your go in for your name rather than pull up a generic search term and you pay thousands of dollars for that one person to click on your URL and hopefully they that's the most attractive URL and so on. So if you can specifically talk about that, that's something I would love. And a lot of people, there's so much angst behind pay-per-click and SEO and so on. You know, a lot of people really want to know, hey, it's been a long time since I talked to anyone like you. The last guy was about eight or nine years ago. When he, he would say, hey, these two methods complement each other tremendously. When this one leads to that one, that one begins to raise higher and the awareness gets higher and the overall situation becomes a whole lot cheaper. I, I guess maybe to elaborate on that a little bit. I mean, for example, I was just a key speaker at uh, the DPC with direct primary care uh big deal in Kansas City. Um, There was 400 locations there, 400 different direct primary care physicians, doctors, et cetera. 
this is what I really spoke on in that was to help them understand the the drive of organic. This can be from a car detailing shop to a Airbnb to a, a lawyer in Colorado to a cosmetic surgeon in California. Internet has changed where organic can a lot of times almost the output is way more. You're going to see more ROI than you are going to from your ads. People are ad added out, if that's a term there, right? And are very accustomed to bypassing and skipping ads where, as in all the different places that we can. Now, they still need to be there because that's getting you outside of your circle uh, compared to your organic growth. But we're building our promoters organically and let them do the marketing through good messaging. Uh, for example, we talk about a cosmetic surgeon in California that doctor, one of the ways we work with him directly is understanding that when he does this organic messaging, whether it be videos or uh, social posts, we're not selling anyone anything. We're giving information. We're showing our expertise. We're, we're, we're growing a following based off of free information. And that's where a lot of these businesses fail is because as business owners and leadership, I want to shove my services right down your throat. I want you to know everything that I can do for you and how I can make you so much money and so much, so many business, you know, so many clients and et cetera. But that's the wrong attack. That's the wrong approach for social media. Uh, as an example, even in our own business, I'll jump online once, you know, maybe once a day, quick 15 second video where I give a free social media tip for a business owner or, or leadership. There's no call to action. There's no link to my website. There's absolutely nothing that is going to, to make me anything other than someone liking or following my account. That's the whole point of that. And then I let those people be the promoters for the business that, you know, they see me and hear me so much when they do need something, who do they turn to? Well, that person that they're following based off of that information. But the only way we stay in those circles, uh, maybe that person hasn't interacted. Maybe that person isn't engaged. Well, we fell out of that circle. Well, how do we get back into it? Ad buy, right? We got to have, have some ad buy at that point to get back into that circle to remind that person how much they enjoyed our content. I love, I love the way you think. It's really cool. When you're talking about ad buying, you're specifically talking about doing pay-per-click and things like that just for clarity because a lot of times we're going down a certain road somebody who may not be necessarily on the same in the same revenue stream or may have something completely different in their mind don't really understand it so just for specifics you're talking about buying pay-per-click and other things like that placement correct and so on. correct yep and and the same to be said i mean when we talk about radio messaging and you know even tv commercials all of those have their places. And if we have a good campaign for anyone listening out there, if I could recommend anything would be that, that you have a, a plan of attack on all, you know, all of these channels, you know, and there's, if the easiest way is to go through and write down a list of every channel, every platform, every radio, everything you could possibly do, and then cross off the ones you don't want to do as you go through and what's left, go for it. We, having a good good campaign structure, not just radio, not just organic, not just social media uh, is very important. That consistency is, is the best way to attack all of it. You know, what you said a second ago reminded me of something I've been saying for the past four years or five years. The internet has gotten worse with age. I, I really preferred it when you wanted to find something that was really cool. You can go and you look and you find some really cool key information that you maybe never have known. And now what you find is just inundation with 
nonsense ad after ad after ad. So no cool information. So like you were talking about, just giving information out and not asking for anything in return. That's such a cool and important thing to me. Right. And you're not the only one, Joe. I mean, that's that's the thing. If there's ever going to be another switch in Internet, you know, like I said, people are people are tired of ads. The other thing is, you know, you think Google on one hand from an SEO standpoint. Well, you know, not to show my age, but, you know, we used to be able to not trick, but fully understand SEO to an extent that I knew I had to buy backlinks or had to get backlinks uh, and whatnot to, to really increase that SEO. Well, Google no longer ranks backlinks as with any importance in comparison to the quality of the content on a website. And that's exactly what you and I are talking about, is that having good quality content without heavy ads and call to action and, and all of these other things trying to sell has a, has a weight to it. And think about that across all of your channels, even socials. Explaining to someone of, of the importance of an ad buy and then when they need an ad buy, they're going to come to that source that they trust, that person that they've been following. I'll give it a prime example. I follow a guy on TikTok. He's a water sommelier. So I don't know if sommelier, if I'm saying that, some water expert. Um, he's a water expert. And I literally have changed my water drinking habits based off of this guy because of his expertise and him showing, you know, explaining his credentials and everything else on the way that I even purchase water at a gas station. Now, if that works on me, think of the depth of that in, in you know, any campaign that we're running. That guy hasn't made a dollar. I've never bought a bottle of water from that guy. He doesn't sell water. He just literally talks about his expertise in drinking water, and it has changed my processes. So it sounds almost like you're saying that with the Google stuff, they, they can actually recognize the call to action and push it away by using certain language, AI, whatever. Is that what we're talking about? Absolutely. And I'll give a very easy, easy way to understand that. Think Instagram, for example, uh, with Instagram uses Reels, which is the full vertical video. Well, a lot of people were filming their TikToks and then they would just post them on Instagram. Problem is there's a TikTok watermark on anything that comes off of TikTok. Instagram was downranking and still is any account that does that because there's a competitor's watermark on the video. So teaching our clients to know that we, we film natively on our phone or whatever it may be, and then we upload separately to these platforms instead of duplication with one from the other because it's picked up by the algorithm. So that's, you know, that's a way that we, we try to combat the, this lack of visibility. Wow. That's, that's wild. That's learned, pretty intense. Learned about an algorithm today, and that is not something I had on my list of things I would know by the end of today. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I want I want to throw the word algorithm into the air and hit it with a baseball bat as hard as I can until it's never seen again. <laughs> I know it's, but you know what though, Joe is uh, the problem is the way that we use the word algorithm. You know, you think for example, I've got I've got so many clients that maybe it's a, a ma and pa barbecue business that they've put their life savings into starting this business. That guy he has no idea what the word algorithm even means. So trying to explain that to them with, you know, that's something where I think that all marketing companies, if there's, if anybody's out there listening, do a better job of, of really breaking that down to be able to explain to the individuals, don't be afraid of the word algorithm, but we just need to know that those things exist. And how do we combat that? How do I make sure not to do that? I know if I drive 80 and a 75, I might get a ticket, 
So it's kind of the same thing here is that I know not to put the TikTok video on Instagram. Done. I can just do it this way. It's the same amount of work. I just need to have the path in front of me. That's pretty intense stuff. Earlier this year, possibly even oh, maybe it was fall of last year, I, I introduced a company in Dripping Springs that does mobile detailing. They have a shop. Cars come in. They do their thing. Very high-end shop. This is not your bargain basement. You go in there for a ceramic coating, you're into thousands of dollars for a ceramic coating. High-end shop. And I brought them to Shane. My intention was for this shop to use Shane for their website, for their social media, for their SEO, all under one umbrella. The owner of the shop decided, mm, no, you know, this this guy over here says that he knows my industry and this guy over here says that he can do the website for uh, 25% of the price and, and this guy over here uh, says that he can handle my SEO. Fast forward six months. Website is got broken links. There's been no SEO. The social guy that was employed started posting, what are those shots called that are just crap? Oh, yeah, your competitors' stuff on that social media page. Literally, here's the logo of your competitor less than a mile away. And so when that was brought to my attention by this business owner in Dripping Springs, I said, okay, first, we're going to go talk to Shane. Again, you're going to have your hat in your hand. We're going to put everything underneath Shane and let him handle it. Shane is not the most expensive out there. And actually, he's really quite competitive within the services that they provide. What I will say is the difference that Shane has versus the others is his ability to deliver on what he says that he's going to deliver on. And this was when Shane described to me and to the business owner, we want things organic first. We want it organic. We want them to like you before they see an ad. If they see an ad, It automatically triggers, let's skip it. I don't like that company advertising in front of me. Let's get that organic business going for you. And then that will start bringing you to the place that you want to be. Since then, that company has signed up with Shane and things are going in the right direction. What I do want to say though is, if you're barely starting out, and this happened uh, a month ago, barely starting out, I was reached out. Uh, from a friend of mine. She says, Hey, I'm doing some administrative work for a voiceover talent. She spent 800 bucks on a website. She hates the website. Do you have a website person? I said, sure. What's the budget? Well, she's willing to spend another 800 bucks. I'm like, listen, (laughs) we've been down that path. She got to get her mind right. If you want something worthwhile that people will look at and love and feel comfortable giving you their business, Going to a bargain basement builder is not the way to go. Here's a question. Joan of Arc shows up. She has a website. She teaches swords, kicking the crap out of people and what all. She ain't got no money. She's She's got $800. And it's all she's got. And she's just that. But this is where she's determined to go. And it's what she. How does someone like that get going and do what they need to do? Yeah, good question. I mean, the. Normally, we see that our prices are within scope in comparison, sometimes cheaper, sometimes more expensive. All clients are different. But we do get a lot of phone calls that I'll give you an example. I'm locked out of my Facebook account. How can you help? Uh, and it's a soccer mom that is trying to get, you know, get into her group, Facebook group to post something. 
same thing with the $800 website. What I would do for that or any of my team that's handling the call or the interaction would be try to at least voice to that that owner where they could put that $800, whether it's a knowledge base or, you know, cookie cutter, the best cookie cutter website that we could recommend, what, you know, might be Squarespace here or Wix there, or that you need a Shopify store, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Customer and the path on how to get them going. Because if we just say, no, sorry, that's not our, we, we don't work within that budget. Well, that $800 investment that that, you know, Joan of Arc might've had, could turn into a potential client very quickly if she blows up. So that's something to keep in mind that, you know, maybe we did give her the the legs to stand on or at least the knowledge on how to do it. You know, it's really funny in most of my discovery calls with clients, I'll get off of those calls a good 80% of the time and have never asked them what their budget is, which is massively different than any other marketing company you deal with. Uh, That's probably in their first three questions is, well, what's our budget? Well, I, I don't care what our budget is. Let's figure out what are we needing? What's our plan? What's it going to take? And then last thing, let's figure out if the budget will allot for it. Because now I'm going to show you why why we even need this budget that we're discussing. Not what's our budget and then I'll work around it. You know, That's really cool because so many people would just hear the amount and simply walk away rather than trying to figure out what can I do to yeah. grow that and see the potential in it. I'm really trying to slip the word air quote in here, but I have not had one single opportunity <laughs> to do it this entire podcast. You just too, you got too much cool stuff going on for me to throw that in there. Joe, I mean, one thing I'd tell you, the, the problem with, you know, like I said, in our world where we work organically is, you know, Joe Hamilton might leave this podcast and do something online that he just explodes and become an in, becomes an influencer, right? So he might only had $800, but now he might have 1.2 million followers on socials that has an extreme amount of value. We can't discredit any of that just because Joe only said, I only have $800 in marketing. Well, you, you never know. And when we talk organic, but at the same time, we, I mean, we are a business, we have a team, we have, you know, things we have to take care of within scope. hundred percent. Cause as you're saying that I'm thinking there's a lot of people who cost a lot of money and don't do a damn thing for you. Let's move back into name one or two individuals who have had an impact on your life. First has got to be my mother. You know, her work ethic, like I said, watching her support all of us uh, as a single mom and, like I said, a bar owner in in Texas 100 million years ago was just so interesting. And, you know, again, where I was kind of going with the whole dry County story is that you had to be a member in order to get into uh, any of the bars in, in our town. So my mom had made a partnership essentially with all of the union Pacific railroaders. So her bars were filled with union Pacific guys and she maintained it in a way that throughout just respect and I guess leadership, if you will, that her 12, 13-year-old son could sit in there at 10 o'clock on a Friday night and drink my Roy Rogers or my Shirley Temple, uh, you know, Coca-Cola and grenadine or Sprite and grenadine for those who don't know what those are, and not be in an environment that was not okay for a 12 or 13-year-old. And that was because of the respect that my mom commanded 
in that bar uh, where certain cuss words were not even allowed and followed in a room full of big burly railroad men. So that was interesting and that being able to watch that process and want that for myself and, and anything that I do that, you know, but you got to deserve that. You can't just want respect. You got to be, you know, provability that I deserve that. So that would be probably my biggest. And then after that, I've just, I've had the ability to throughout the weird places I've ended up throughout life of just meeting so many great stories and I'm referring to the people, but it's the stories that those people had, whether it be, you know, working on the radio or in some of these great big government facilities selling cell phones to all over the world that I've got to, to meet all of these different people. And I, you know, it's without the people I'd be nothing. So I uh, kind of attribute that to just the culmination of all those stories of those people. What book or podcast or audio book sometimes there are several of them. A friend of mine said, you know, I've always got three going. One is self-help, one's business help, and one is fantasy on his nightstand. But the world has shifted more towards the audiobook world or the podcast world, obviously, has blown up in the past 10 years. But what type of stuff are you invested in on a daily basis? So I've, I've got a pretty crazy, you know, calendar. Uh, like I said a while back, I was I'm kind of a calendar crazy person. So I actually dedicate uh, somewhere between two to three hours a day of YouTube that I just ingest. So instead of watching, sitting down watching Netflix or binge watching, you know, some new show, I try to put my TV time into YouTube. And that's whether it's uh, perfecting a skill that I have, but I also at the same time will dedicate some of that time to even our clients. And that's just doing searching the internet for their podcast for a competition, you know, their YouTube videos and whatnot. So a lot of times I'll just Bluetooth YouTube directly to the car and I'm, I'm listening to uh, videos essentially and just hearing them talk. Uh, I'll do a lot of marketing videos as well. But mostly it's either our clients or our clients' competition uh, is what I'm kind of paying attention to because that helps myself and my team be able to know what we need to be doing better. Uh, so I think it's a good use of time compared to just really diving into some sci-fi book that I would love to read uh, in an audio book. Certainly, I've never opened up a YouTube video and put it on my gauge cluster in front of me and Bluetooth the audio so that I could drive down the road. And I'm not watching it. the video, Evan. I blew. That's why I said I Bluetooth it to the car. I'm not. Yep, that's right. I said it right up in, in the windshield there. Um, I Bluetooth the audio to the vehicle. To be clear, Shane, if you could go back in time to 21 year old you, Super Shane, or maybe even cell phone shade to give 21 year old you a piece of advice. What would you do? What would you say? Yeah. Good question. I mean, I, I would have liked to throughout trying to be as agile as I, I was working through at that time. Um, you know, with all the changes in the internet, there's quite a few things that I kind of wish I would have held on to a little bit longer, uh, get into crypto, for example, um, you know, I was one of the first people I knew that had a little mining facility in my basement and, but then it's like, okay, this is not ever going to do anything at all. 
on to the next thing, right? And trying to find that with Don't Hate the Geek, for example, trying to find that mixture that worked well in there. I guess don't give up, you know, keep pushing. And if I could have that same work ethic that I have now to dive in and back when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, that would have been killer. It would have dominated the world, I feel like, if I would have pushed just a little bit harder. It, it sounds like you're going to be dominating the world, but without people knowing it, just by helping the small business owners. Hopefully. I mean, that's, we got, we've got a ton of, we actually do marketing for a lot of marketing companies, which is pretty funny. That is um, pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of, a lot of companies white label our services. So, you know, you know, not all heroes wear capes, I guess. Right. I think one of the things that happened today, when you started talking about, you began with small to medium sized business. We talked about small to medium sized business. One of the things that I'm finding as Evan and I are going through this journey together is that each time somebody who, who's listening, who is starting out or kind of, you know, at a crossroads where they need to do some growing and so on, there's some hope shined on it and some pathways that they can take. And really, honestly, I think you did that a lot here. You give a lot of pathways that anybody could follow. And I think that's super important for anybody starting out in a business to really be able to have that hope. Because a lot of times it's, you get to that point and you're like, you're either going to breathe fire or you're going to walk away. A lot of times somebody gets to that point and they just don't know where to go or what to do or so on. And they hear something like what you've talked about today or some of the other guys have talked about. They get that hope. And that's such an important thing. This just dawned on me. I was introduced to Shane by, by Steinmeier. And I thought that Shane was the guy that Steinmeier was doing boxes with while he was growing up in the teenage years, but that's not the case. How did Shane and Steinmeier meet? So when I moved to Omaha and I was working on the radio, one of the guys that worked at the station that was kind of an intern there uh, actually wanted to take me over to a party one night. And (laughs) I don't think I ever left is kind of what happened there. So it was at Dave Steinmeier's uh, apartment. Um, again, this is a million years ago. And yeah, I just had a great time. Anybody that the last name Beer Master is, you know, he lived up to his name for sure. Was this during Dave's cardboard cutout days or was this during yes. Dave's bartending flair ranked no, top 10 so- in the world? The box, the corrugated box industry was actually prior to bartending. So I was through all of all of them. I actually did some of the social marketing, even though I didn't know that I was going to be doing such a thing for that corrugated box company and, and helped with some of the answering phones and whatnot. So it's really weird how we branched off, but then we ended up kind of doing very similar stuff. But I definitely took advantage of his flair bartending days as well. I mean, he <laughs> a, he talks about Buffalo Wild Wings and everything, and I'm that guy that, that shows up like, I know the bartender. Like, let me. You, you know. and me both. He had a yeah. thing down in San Antonio. Uh, so he had been in radio for a little while at that point, and I was his production guy. And uh, I'll, I'll say this. Sales may be the blood of radio, but the heartbeat is the production. Absolutely. If you're not in with that production guy – Forget about it. That production guy or gal will make your life so much easier. But Dave said, hey, going down here to San Antonio to do a flare thing showed up and it's just, oh, my gosh, that guy. Holy cow. 
And it, I mean, everything he, he says is, I was, I was there. I, it's all real. Um, <laughs> so it's, yeah, but it's funny too, because we both like, I mean, from his flair bartending days, some of the stories are almost unbelievable. Well, same thing with my radio stuff. It's almost unbelievable, but luckily we were both there throughout it all together. So it's like, you don't believe me and call this guy, you know, right. <laughs> That's right? So That's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Unreal. Shane, thank you for sharing with us. Growing up in Sherman, Texas, you got your single mom and you're surrounded by women growing up. Macho Man Randy Savage story, Jack in the Box story. Learning that it's the people that can take care of you if you take care of them. And that is the way to make sure that your business not only continues to grow, but then it's a it's an environment where people thrive. Socialmediaomaha.com, obviously much bigger than just social media going to give you the best service bar none that's who we recommend if somebody wanted to reach out to you how would they best do that of course social media is going to be uh, one of the best ways that's why we get a lot there but our website's a great place as well all of our contact information's there teams teams are ready um you know we would love to help help any business out there really get to that next level in this episode shane lundberg find more info at primedincome.com Hey, I have a list of questions to ask Shane, so you need to stop the recording.